0: Well, uh... (laughs) tis the season, am I right? It is Christmas time, and I I don't know about you, but for me, Christmas is full of a lot of old traditions, and then um, our family's trying to start some new traditions as well. So one of my favorite, like, older traditions is um, kind of the standard, like, you bake a lot of cookies, you decorate, but you eat all of them, that kind of thing. Um, Driving around town and staring at Christmas lights are some of my favorites, and by far, having the kids up on stage just singing and worshiping Jesus, it's the coolest thing ever. And uh, one of the things we're trying to do new this year um, is cutting down Christmas trees. Actually, we did it last year, so we did it again this year. So I guess that makes it a tradition, right? How many times do you really have to do it before it's a tradition? I'm going to go with two. But here's the thing. I'm from California. We didn't cut down trees. We just waited for all of you to grow them and cut them and ship them down to us. And then we just go buy them and put them in our home. And that, that was that. So now I can go out there and work really hard to cut down a tree when I could have just paid for it. But we cut down trees, we bring it in the house. And it's this cool experience with the kids. And and, and I got to be honest, um, being in, in the church world, I have been a part of, this is now 13 either Christmas sermons or Christmas series. And that's a lot. And I'm also a church kid, like born and raised. So um, professionally, 13 years, born and raised, more than 13. And What's interesting is I always feel on some level um, that, that I, I missed an element of Christmas, of, of that Christmas season. Maybe it's that Christmas spirit, and I, I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it, it didn't live up to the hype. Um, it, it could have been there was a gift that I wanted, and you know, you want that one thing, but you have to put other things on the list because the one thing is so expensive. But there's a part of you that hopes... You're like, I've been really good this year, so maybe, <laughs> maybe I'll get that one thing, right? And you don't get it, and you're like, oh, well, it's not about the stuff, right? It's about family. But then you get together, and it kind of felt like the last Christmas we got together, it was more fun. It was a better experience, and I, I don't know. Have you ever felt that way, though? Like, there's a part of, of me, or maybe there's a part of you that feels like, man, I feel like I'm missing out on something, and, and I couldn't put my finger on it, but I, I think as a general rule, I just looked at Christmas and how he celebrated. And listen, these are all good things. But I felt like my, maybe I didn't connect with God the way I was anticipating or I was expecting God to do something and he didn't do something. Maybe I, I wanted... I, I don't know, more joy in our home, but we didn't have it because we had some difficult things going on. I, has anyone ever felt, just in a moment of vulnerability and honesty, because it's church, you can't lie in church. Have you ever felt like you missed something about Christmas? Anyone, just a quick, five of us. This will be very helpful to the, okay, there's more. Everyone online was like, amen, brother, I preach it. So I'm with you. So here's the deal. Um, I, I heard a sermon from a friend of mine, and I'm, I'm totally ripping it off this morning because when I heard it, it put everything in perspective for me. And I realized, I think this is what I've been missing. And, and it's, it's in the Christmas story, clear as day. It's been here all along, and I've just missed it. So I, I simply wanna share this sermon with you in hopes that it blesses you, or the five of you, the way that it did me. Because it helped me kind of reframe and refocus Christmas and the reason for the season. So if you're joining us, thank you so much for being here. My name's Steve. I'm one of the pastors. Uh, we've been marching through the book of 1 John. And I want to invite all of us to turn there. Um, whether you're old school and use the pages. I love that sound of like pages in church. I think it's so cool. Or uh, new school and you're streaming online. Just hop over and Google it. We're going to go 1 John, John chapter 4. We'll pick it up in verse 7. Now here's the deal, First John chapter four, verse seven. Um, we're gonna come across a very familiar theme. If you've been traveling with us at all through the book of First John, you're gonna realize this theme. And it hits us right in the beginning and you're gonna be sick of it, but it is so important. But it's not the reason for the season and I'll explain that at the very end. You also have a lot of notes in, your, uh, in the app or um, I'm gonna give you a lot of notes to fill out, but I'm gonna do it all at the end because I know some of you get a little anxious. You're like, ah, he's going and he hasn't hit any of the notes. Like, are we gonna be out before noon? I promise we will. We'll get it done. But all the notes and the fill in the blanks are gonna be at the end. So hang with me. First John chapter 4, verse seven. Are you there? You ready? Okay, all right, here we go. First John, verse seven. Oh, my man. <laughs> Says, dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from who? Circle, highlight, underline love comes from God love it it has a source and it's not it's not me it's not you it's not us that source of love is God everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God whoever does not love does not know God because God is help me out God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. Listen, this is a peculiar Christmas story, but it enters our text in 1 John right here. This is how God showed his love for us. Not that we got a new job this year. Not that we get the new car on Christmas Day with the big bow. Not that we're living our hashtag blessed life. None of this stuff right here. This is how we know. He sent his his one and only son into the world that we might, listen, live through him. There's so much there and I don't have enough time to unpack it, but you need to study what that looks like to live through as Jesus is the filter through how we live our lives. Amazing. Verse 10, this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and, circle, highlight, underline, and sent his son as an anointing sacrifice for our sins, so you get the Christmas story, and then boom, right there is the Easter story. Right there, the, uh, the atoning sacrifice for our sin. Now, atoning sacrifice for our sin simply means to compensate or to pay for something. For the wages of sin is death, and Jesus Christ said, I'll go. Now, we're talking Easter, but he had to come to earth first, so here, here's Christmas. How do, know, how do we know what love is? Well, we look at God. God is love. Well, okay, well, prove it. Well, he did. He sent his son, Jesus to come to earth (laughs) and not just live and walk and teach and tell us wonderful things, but to come and be the anointing sacrifice for our sins. Wow, verse 11, dear friends, since God so loved us, do you get the theme of love, are you hearing that? A lot of love. Since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete or, or perfect in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit and we have seen and testify. Those are huge words. We have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the, what's that word? Savior. To be the, huh? He, the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. That's the Christmas story. That's it. That's the Christmas story. God says, "I will send my son Jesus to be the savior of the world. He will be the atoning sacrifice." Why in the world would you do that, God? Because I'm love. That's that's who I am. That's what I do. That's what it means to be God. So what's interesting is that this Christmas, see, Christmas what we celebrate right here, this is not a day This is not a holiday, this is not a season. This is a lifestyle that we live day in and day out. We lived as as people that have placed our faith in God's love and him sending his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is the greatest gift of all. And we walk in that daily as as forgiven people. As forgiven people. That's reason to celebrate. Verse 15, if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. God has for us. The love that God has for us. Are you getting it? The love that God, that he has for us. That's really big. Because, here we go, God is love. One more time. Circle, highlight, underline all the things. Arrows, smiley faces, do whatever you have. God is love. Why do we have Christmas? Because God's love. What's the solution to this sin issue that plagues you and I, and all of humanity? Well, it, it's God's love in the form of Jesus Christ. This is why we call Jesus our Lord and Savior. It's, it's all because of God's love. And whoever lives in love lives in God. You know, you can't see God, but how do you know He's real? Because because we live. In God. It's incredible, incredible truth that John is writing right here. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, listen, this is huge. In this world, we are like Jesus. Again, John's going, look, you can't see God, He's invisible. But you rely on his love. You rest in his love. We follow Jesus. We put our faith in Jesus Christ and his love is made complete in us. We can see God in one another. We can see God in the love that we have for one another because, because, because right here at the very end, right before verse 18, in this world, we are like Jesus. That's how we live our lives. How do you know God's real? Because I live in him and I see him in his followers. It's beautiful because his followers are all about love because the person they follow is love. Verse 18, there's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. It's this idea that, man, there will be a day of judgment. There will be a day where we stand before the Lord and we don't need to fear that day, why? Because God is love and we have put our faith in Jesus Christ. We are the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. Unbelievable news. This is good news. And the only way that happens is Christmas. is Jesus coming to earth to showing us what it truly means to have unconditional love for the Father and unconditional love for one another. Verse 19, we love because he first loved us. Pop quiz, who loved first, us or God? Pop quiz, who loved first, us or God? Here's a question for you. Why do we love God? Because he loved us. It wasn't our idea to go and make up a God and say, well, I'm just gonna love him because I want good things to happen to me. It wasn't our idea. We just decided we're gonna make up a God because, well, you know, it's the first century. Rome has a handful of gods. We should get one. No, the idea to love God is because his love for us. And how did he love us? He sent his son, Jesus, To walk, to talk, to teach, to heal, to perform miracles, to show us how to love God, to show us how to love one another, and to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. We love because he first loved us. There's so much to say there. And not enough time, but we're gonna do it anyways. I I don't know what your experience was like growing up in the church, but for me, it was... um, kind of equal, like, God is love, and he loves you, so you need to love him. But this whole idea of perfect love casting out fear was like, "Mm, you do need to fear him, you need to respect him, because, you know, big, bad, powerful God. And I went, okay. But I always had this nagging sense, and and, and I don't blame uh, my pastors at at all. This is just kind of what I uh, picked up. I had this loving sense that God loved me because he is love, like, you know, his arm was twisted behind his back. He's like, I have to love you. But he was somewhat disappointed in me, because I didn't live up, to his standard. And so I had this really hard time throughout, really junior high through halfway through college, trying to wrestle with this idea of how do I love a God that's constantly disappointed in me? And I, I don't know if you've ever felt that way. I don't presume that, that every Christian feels that way, but I, I think there's a, some, some of us in here, maybe streaming online that feel that way. And, and I had to work through this thing, and I go, man, what, what does this mean? And framing the Christmas story and understanding that, that God's not disappointed in me, God loves me. And, and I, I am terribly, if here's the bar, I am, whew, and, and that's okay, because he loves me. If, if I live my life and I go through the Christmas season and, and, and I'm so distracted with all the things, it, it's okay, because God loves me. It's the idea that if I don't get any better at all, God still loves me. If I can't get any better, if I can't become more righteous, if I won't become more righteous, that's okay. God loves me. It is a God that says, I love you so much that I will send my one and only Son to be the atoning sacrifice for you, for me, for the world. This is good news. And it's just to say, Steve, you're never going to live up to the standard. That's what makes you human and God, God. <laughs> Good, Steve. So don't, don't worry about that. But, but every day, work on your faithfulness. Work on your trust in Jesus. And if, if you do love him, trust him enough to do what he says. And when you fall short, because you will, don't think for one minute that God is, he doesn't like you. Because he loves you and as a church kid and, and as a pastor there's this thing in the back of my mind um, you ever hear the phrase imposter syndrome? Yeah. You ever wonder from time to time if you're just kind of walking through this thing and you feel like is God going to find out that I just did that? Is God going to find out that I'm you know, am wrestling with this? Is, are other people going to find out? If so, what are the implications? And, and I just read from the good book it says that perfect love casts out fear and that the God that I read about in the scriptures is a God of love. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. That's a Christmas story. That's beautiful. Verse 20, we're almost done. Verse 20, whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. Why? Why? because God is love and because he loved first. Verse 21, and he has given us this command. Anyone, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and their sister. Amen? Amen. So I wanna give you a couple points. This is where you bust out your notes and you start writing down. So here it is, the reason for the season is sin. The reason for the season is sin. And this is what I heard in my friend's sermon and I went, that's it, I have misplaced it. See, I have been focusing so much on all the love because John writes a lot about love. All throughout this book, if there's one theme, it's the theme of love. We're to love one another because God has loved us. That, I mean, that is, that is the theme of 1 John right here. But what I missed is what God had to do in response of his love for us. See, we have this sin problem in our world. And we needed a savior. And what I had grabbed hold on, what I had focused on was that God loved me. So Jesus comes down to earth to love and to teach and to do all these wonderful things because of love, 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 love. And I went, oh, and I read the Christmas story from 1 John and I go, wait a minute. There's a sin issue. And that love has caused God to act to take care of the sin issue in Jesus. So you don't, you know, so I can tell. Some of you, you don't believe me right now. You're like, that's, no, the reason for the season is love. No, 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 it's, it's for sin. Sin is the reason for the season. Let me read it to you. You know this Christmas story. For uh, Matthew chapter one, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be, a, to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Imagine that conversation. Verse 19, but Joseph, her husband was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had a mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will, there it is, did you see it? because he will save his people from their sins. It's been 400 years since they have heard from God. The last writing in the Old Testament, it has been 400 years, and in Matthew chapter one, he says there is going to be a savior, and you are to call him Jesus, and he will take care of the sins of humanity. The reason for the season is sin. Just in case you weren't convinced, you're like, that's one line in the Christmas story. Luke chapter two, this one's shorter, verse eight. And there were shepherds living out in their fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone, all, shone around them and they were terrified. And we would be too, by the way. We would be, if that, like, whoa. That's why they always say, don't be afraid. Why do they say that? Because they're afraid. Because an angel just showed up and glory. Okay, you get it. Verse 10. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. Why? Because they're afraid. I just told you. I bring you good news. I bring you great news. Really good news that this will cause great joy for all the people today in the town of David. A what? Sin. Which begs the question: Saved from what? Sin. Sin. A savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be assigned to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. It has to do with sin. And here's how I missed it, because nothing around this Christmas season that I have been celebrating focused on sin. Any of you, as you string up lights on your, on your house or any of that, maybe some bushes, you, you get the sin lights out and you just, do you know what I mean? You bake your sin cookies? Did you decorate those? You have your sin ornament, it's just this black oozy like you just hang it right there, just right. It's the tree topper for some odd reason. Some of you are like, it's too much work to celebrate and we're not gonna do that. So you just buy those, like, what are the laser things. You just, like, stab it in the ground and it just rains down sin upon your house. <laughs> just, we don't do that. And in our, our Christmas songs, we don't, we don't sing about them in our, in our Christmas songs. I, I dug up the top 10 Christmas songs according to Spotify. Are you ready? You know some of these, right? Here's the first one. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow by good old Frank. You know this one, right? Any mention of sin in that thing? No, because they want it to snow. Clearly, he wasn't living in a place that snowed. The, the number nine, do they know it's Christmas? Number eight, Jingle Bell Rock. Number seven, rocking around the Christmas tree. Number six, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Number five, personal favorite, the beebs, Mistletoe. That song could lead to some sinning if you... That's a bad joke, sorry. We'll remove that from the 11 o'clock service. The online people are like, "No, nope, recorded it. Boom, gone." Number four, Michael, the bubble. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Number three, Santa, tell me. Number two, last Christmas, and of course, number one hit of all. All I want for Christmas is, is you. No mention of sin. And I get it, because how depressing to go over to someone's house for a Christmas party and you're like, okay, well, here's the sin. Like, it's just ugly and just evil. And you're like, this, ugh. No one wants to go to that party. And I totally get it. But to illustrate the point, we're missing an element of sin in our Christmas holiday. And so there are Christmas carols. There are Christmas songs that talk about sin. And I'm gonna give you two of them. Um, You know these. God rest you merry gentlemen. Uh, I think it's up there on the screen. Yep, here we go. God, rest you Mary, gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. For Jesus Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day. You're like, that's why Becky sings. (laughs) I know, I know, I understand. Uh, Okay, next verse, or next, uh, next line. To save us from, save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray, oh, tidings of comfort and joy. That's where you say comfort and joy. And I say, oh, tidings of comfort and joy. How in the world do you rest and be merry, gentlemen and women? In a world of dismay, we remember Christ, our Savior, Savior, who was born on Christmas Day. To save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Tidings. I know. I had to look it up too. Tidings means news or information. (laughs) Do do you get it? Tidings. It's news or information. You can rest. I know the world is in dismay, but you have Christ, your Savior, on Christmas Day to save us from Satan's power when we had gone astray. Oh, good news of comfort and joy. That's that's something worth celebrating. Here's the second one. You know this one. And I for sure am not gonna sing it. Not just it's too slow. I I can't hit the notes. There's no way. Oh, holy night. The stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul. Listen to the depths. This is so profound. And the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope the weary soul rejoices. See, I think as you go through your top 10 Christmas songs and you, you, it, it's, all, it's all a facade, it's all a cover up for a soul that feels its worth and it's weary and it knows that there's this disconnect right here. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. Do you know what it is to pine after something? I know, I had to look it up too. You're, you're pining. It is this, this longing and painful, agonizing um, Hope, de- desire, it is not pleasant. It is an endless want. It, you, you are searching, it, it, it's despair, it's yearning for something that is just out of reach. Keep reading. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees or, oh, hear the angels rejoice. O oh, night divine, O oh, night when Christ was born. See, the reason for the Christmas season is sin. And for me, I have focused the vast majority of my Christmas celebrations on the joy part because I don't, I don't, I don't wanna reflect on the sin. But as I get older, I realize that, man, when I understand the gravity and the weight of my sin, I understand how profound this God of love is and the length and depth that he would go to restore a relationship with me. And I can get so distracted and so focused on, I, man, I still have to shop. I still need to buy things. We still have decorations that we bought that are still in the garage. We haven't finished setting up for Christmas. There, there are all these things that do that I have to do that are part of the quote unquote Christmas season. But but what I've, I'm learning and what I continue to learn is that man, if I don't actually address this sin issue, it becomes about yay God and I look forward to Easter. The reason that Christ came is because of my sin. It's because of your sin. It is because of humanity's sin. That's the reason for the season. Number two, the motive of the season. That's love. That's love. The motive for Christmas is all about love. The reason, it's to fix the sin issue. Lastly, number three, the response to the season is totally up to us. It's totally up to us. We can continue going and it's the hustle and bustle and it's the most wonderful time of the year because we're shopping and we're buying things with money we don't have for people we don't really like, but we, we do, you know, uh, decorations and things and Christmas parties and then office parties. And do you know, I buy things for people at work? Well, I, I wanna get my kids things, but I don't have enough money to do both really well. So uh, I don't know what we're gonna do. We're gonna have people over the house. I'm gonna get stressed out. And you get it, you're living it. That's not Christmas. That, that's not Christmas. Cr- Christmas is humanity is broken. And there's a God that is love and only operates in love. And the only thing he can do is solve the sin issue. So he sends his one and only son as the atoning sacrifice because he's love. That's what he does. Because he wants that relationship with us. And when I focus in on that, see, I I thought the reason for Christmas was to get us to Easter. (laughs) The reason for Christmas is that there's the sin issue and the motive behind it is that God loves us. And then our response to it is we either focus in on that or not. And for me, I spent far too much time, I think, on, on not. And it's not a, necessarily a pleasant experience for me to go and rehearse and um, just kind of play back the, the, the DVDs of my life and seeing that sin right there and then seeing the hand of God work through all that and navigate it. But when I do that and as I do that, I see how profound and beautiful the love of God is. And so maybe, maybe for you to make this season different, it's to realize that the reason is not all the gifts, all the meetings and celebrations and all the family, maybe for you it's to focus in and simply admit, I do have a sin issue and I am in need of a savior. And God the Father has provided one, his name is Jesus and he's the savior of the world. And for that reason, Christians will gather this month, really for the rest of their lives, and we will worship Jesus. Our response is completely up to us. God has has paved the way, he has done his part, he has given us a gift, and it's up to us to choose how we want to celebrate Christmas. And so I, I simply want to lead us in a prayer and the band can come on up, we're gonna sing in one we're gonna sing one more song. But I, I simply wanna lead us in a prayer that if you have not come to grips with the fact that you you are a sinful person and you are in need of a savior, and this savior is not he's not disappointed in you, he doesn't hate you, he, he loves you to to the point that he died for your sins. If you haven't put your faith in that, if you haven't trusted in the work of Jesus Christ, I simply wanna lead you in a prayer and allow you to do that because because I'm convinced if we all do that, that this Christmas will be way different, dare I say better than all the other Christmases. And so Father, we come before you and we acknowledge our sin. We have done things are contrary to your will. And there's this void, there's this gap. And because of your great love and because of my great sin, you sent your son Jesus down to earth. Born of a virgin in a manger to walk among us, to show us how to love you and how to love one another. And that man, Jesus, died on a cross, taking on the sins of humanity. And it's a crazy story. But today I'm choosing to put my faith in him. And I'm going to trust that story. And for every person that has prayed that prayer this morning, Lord, my hope and my desire is that we do not just sit in our sin and the weight and the despair, but we celebrate Christmas with joy, knowing that you are a God of love and you moved first and sent your son, Jesus. And for that reason, we celebrate Christmas. We pray all these things in the powerful and miraculous name of Jesus Christ. And the church said, amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to close by singing one last song.